This week on Sportsmanlike Conduct, the college football playoff has come out with their first rankings. We'll talk about where teams are positioned and what we think about that. Then Golden Tate was traded away this week. We will get into that some more. Kind of disappointing news for some Lions fans that liked them. And we'll also talk about the Boston Red Sox winning the World Series, but not what you might think about. All that and more on Sportsmanlike Conduct. Next. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andy McDonald, and across from me, as usual, on these Thursday evenings when we record these, is Evan Petzold. Evan, how are we doing? Doing well, Andy. You know, you look back and, you know, let, let's go back to your old days, all right? Here we go. Here comes another one, folks. <laughs> <laughs> what is I mean, that? even, you know, you ever have it where you're in, in high school, um, even like back in the middle school, and, and now you're here, and you're kind of thinking back, and you're like, you know, some of these kids that... You know, I, I knew pretty well, but we hung out, you know, in school, didn't really hang out outside of school. You ever, like, look back and I kind of wonder, like, hey, what are they doing now? Where are they at? Definitely. I yeah. mean, that's kind of a all, thought, right? All the time when you go on Facebook, that's, like, one of the main thoughts. E- exactly. You know? And that's got to be how Tigers fans feel right now. You know, what are my old friends doing? <laughs> and it's winning a World Series. And we'll get into that later, but I feel that all the time, man. I, I, I think back to my days of, you know, being in grade school, middle school, you know, even even in high school, I know I'm only two years out now, but still, looking back, it's, what are these guys all up to? I mean, who's in jail? Who's got a cool <laughs> job? Who's living with their mom still? For they're, me, they're all questions you got to ask and you me, wonder. For me at this point, I go on Facebook and I'm like, seriously, that person's already getting married or- That, that person has a kid yeah, or whatever it might kid, be. Like, seriously, you're like, wow, uh, life's coming at me really fast. Well, that's here, true, like. though, and I think that's how it is for the 2014 Detroit Tigers team is, you know, all the fans, life hit them pretty quick. I mean- 2014 kind of feels like a long time ago. Think about when they went to the World Series, and remember Pablo Sandoval hitting those homers, and whether that you know the Giants were able to win it. Tigers went to the World Series. Yeah, yeah, 2012. Excuse me, but but nonetheless, you know, you look at that team, and and that was so long ago. It feels like, and then 2014, the team that was supposed to be like the best Tigers team ever, get sweep first round, and, and now you look at them, and you're like, wow, those guys are winning a World Series. Time has blown by yeah we'll get into it's that crazy. later and what that's all about but well, college um, football playoff yeah is where but we're these, these rankings came out this week and i mean if you follow the college football which is what we talked about in the majority of this these podcasts every week i mean you pay attention to this because you know you you want to find out what the true rankings actually are and i don't think unless you're you know have really optimistic or have a really different opinion than most of the people in the country i think the top six is pretty much what you thought it was going to be Alabama at number one, Clemson at number two, LSU at number three, Notre Dame at number four. That's where you might have found your one argument that maybe Notre Dame should have been three instead of four and, and, you know, back and forth. And then Michigan at number five, just outside of it, and Georgia comes in at number six. Um, But two games, you know, this weekend coming up already, they're going to change everything up. It doesn't even matter how you look at it. Um, With LSU, they're playing against Bama. That is probably the biggest game um, since, you know, that championship game a few years back when they ended up playing that season when they played twice. Um, this is probably the biggest game between those two teams in a long time. So um, good to see them back at it and up at the top. And either way, one of those teams is probably going to fall out. I think even if Alabama were to lose this game, they will probably drop out of the top four. Um, if they were to lose to LSU, it'll be close. It's definitely going to be a decision by the committee. But I think with Michigan playing against Penn State this weekend and Georgia playing against Kentucky, if both those teams can win against that teams that are ranked that highly, they're probably going to move up ahead of Alabama if Alabama takes a loss. So... Where we're at, I mean, what's your take on all of it right now? What are your thoughts on LSU getting in and Michigan not? I mean, come, I mean, come on now. Michigan lost to Notre Dame, who's in the top four. LSU, their loss was to Florida, 
who obviously isn't in the top four. And, and yes, LSU has had wins against Miami. Yep, there and you they, go. They that's, beat that's Auburn, where it is. <laughs> and they beat Georgia, and they beat Mississippi State. It's about who have you but, beat. But still, though, I mean, so what does that, what, does that mean they never fall out well, if Michigan, they don't lose again no, this year? No, 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 no. Well, if they don't lose again this year, then they probably Bama, wouldn't yeah. because they're playing Bama this week. Yeah, but never, I mean, they have the better wins. I mean, even last year they beat a, a, another ranked team. These are teams that are a lot of them are still in the top 25. Michigan's wins right now. Neither one of their teams are in the top 25 anymore. Wisconsin doesn't help their Michigan's case by losing since Michigan beat them. Again, they're obviously clearly not where everybody thought they were at the start of the year. And then, I mean, Northwestern might be the honestly one of the better teams that Michigan has on its win mm-hmm. chart at this point. I mean, the Michigan State win on the road is still a big win and everything. I think Michigan still deserves to be where they're at because they did only lose to Notre Dame by seven points. That still is the best loss in the country. I think it just I think what you know what LSU's resume is leading up to this point is what has them in that spot. And I also think when the committee looks at it, they think to themselves, it's gonna change this weekend no matter what. Like if okay, I mean, maybe I don't want to bring in say that TV means everything or whatever and getting views and whatever else and making it a big game. But like, no matter what, one of these two teams' rankings are gonna change based off if they lose the end of this week. So it might be just kind of at the end of the day, like, why not put them both in the top four? Because one of them's gonna lose and fall out. So how does this all kind of play out though? Because you have Alabama, LSU, you have Georgia, all those you know schools in the top six at least. And in Georgia, they have a game against Kentucky coming up on November third. Real quick, Kentucky, top ten, playing for arguably a college football playoff spot. Mm-hmm. If they win this game, how crazy is that? Like, when has Kentucky ever been there? I mean, that's nuts, but. I can't think of it, it ever yeah, in my, yeah. in my it, lifetime. It's, it's crazy, but they have Benny Snell and they have a couple good quarterbacks. It's cra- and- I've never even thought of Kentucky as a top ten team in football in my life, so it's nuts to see them with the chance. But my never question, my question saying. is though: Georgia beats them, yeah, and then Georgia, you know, wins out the rest of the way. It's just a weird situation because who kind of gets kicked out? Because the number Alabama, four team is Alabama, always tough every year. Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. At least two of those schools are going to be in, I think. At least two of them have got to be in. And then you look at Clemson, who, you know, I mean, what, what does Clemson really have this year? I mean, they, they, they beat NC State, and they play Boston College, and that's it. I think this so is you when— you look at that and say, you beat NC State, and you beat Boston College, and you've won every game this year, and it hasn't even been close. Do you look at that and say, they're, they're, are you really think, that good, though? I think you just said it. I think that's what they'll take into account. I think that, okay, so you know, the number four spot every year is always a spot that's up for debate because there's always enough one-loss teams that are trying to get in and find their way in right at the end. Notre Dame has already won enough games during the year. They're going to be undefeated. They're going to stay in. Clemson, if you, if you don't lose and you're already ranked that high, that's you're never going to drop though. out. That's the problem, though, because they haven't played anybody. So that's going to – I think that well, is going to – Notre Dame, but the thing is well, – I mean, they have technically the Michigan, I guess, but – that was the first game of the year, but that, that's not the point. If you go undefeated and you're already that highly ranked, they're not going to drop you out. It's just that's not going to happen. Problem, though. I'm saying that's going to screw out, I think, Michigan out of a spot. You know, keeping it keeping it in. It could. Everything's still in front of Michigan, too. You have, but, but, you have, but you have Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, and two of those teams have got to get in, dude. They, they have played too many good teams. They have won too many big games. I think at least happen, two have to be I in. I think if Michigan were to win out and get the win over Ohio State to end the year and, and get the beat. Big Ten championship, I don't think Michigan gets yeah. pushed out. And they got Penn State this week, too. Like, they still, who, Michigan still has out? three. Who gets pushed out? That's the question. Well, it, okay, if you're looking at this right now, just based off how they set up the first week, this is why the first week still does matter, the rankings, and they come out. Because if you're positioned this high right now and you can win out, I mean, Fine. but you said it in your last your last topic is if, you know, these games are close. 
I think that's the one thing that could push Michigan maybe out of a spot is if they if they win out the rest of their games. But say they play against I don't I don't know who is exactly in their schedule, but I know I'm, I'll get it up right now. They have a couple games that are easier for them. You know, Rutgers and Indiana. If those games are maybe three point games or four point games, that's when you might see a team like LSU that even loses a game like this or whatever. If they can maybe sneak back in as a two loss team. But either way, you yeah. got to remember this. One of these two teams, Georgia or LSU, they're going to have to get past Alabama in that in that championship game too. As well, yeah. So you're going to drop a second loss if you don't beat Bama. So pretty much, if you're a Michigan fan, you're an Alabama fan right now because you need Alabama to win out and just stay at number one and not screw up anything. Because then Alabama's automatically going to beat. Alabama's the team that's going to creep up on you and somehow find their way back in. I don't think LSU, LSU already has a loss. If they lose again, they're out. See you later. So Alabama, you're saying, is, because they play LSU this week. Yeah. So they're going to be able to, if they beat LSU, and then they play in the SC Championship, and they beat, what would it be then, Georgia, essentially? Are you saying that Georgia would be the team that is going to play them in the championship? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's probably what it would end up being, yeah. And then... Say Alabama beats Georgia as well. Michigan's got to make it in over both those teams if they went out, right? Yeah, no, Michigan. I don't think I don't think Michigan loses it. I don't even think they do a period, no matter how they play. Michigan's a one loss team with the Big Ten championship, and you'd be going up against LSU two loss. If you if you went out and you beat Ohio State and and the Big Ten champion, those are going to be two ranked teams at the end of the year. Probably that's going to be enough to keep you and push you in with with the record that Michigan has and the loss that you alluded to. Don't win the Big Ten championship. If they don't, the Michigan's out. Two losses, Big Ten teams you, not getting you, you in. Think, you think LSU and Georgia would jump them then in that situation, even if both of them lost It doesn't matter even if it's Ohio State or if it's Michigan. Whoever ends up getting that Big Ten championship game, if they lose, they're not making it. Because they're going to have two losses in the Big Ten, which I don't think people look at as highly as the SEC. Yeah. And it's like, think about who Michigan would be playing in that game, Evan. They're going to either be playing what? Iowa? Northwestern? Yeah. Is it, it, it's going it's, it's to be a random team that shouldn't be beating Michigan. Yeah. So, or or Ohio State for that fact. So, whoever you know makes it that far and plays, you got to win out if you're a Big Ten team. Yeah, and I'm focusing on Michigan a little bit more because I assume a lot of our listeners are from the state of Michigan. Yeah, for sure. But Ohio State is either the other Big Ten team that could get into the playoff. I mean, just overall, that's that's the other team that might be able to make it because of where they're ranked. But I was kind of surprised to see them down at number ten after they were bumped all the way up to number eight in the AP poll um, the week before. I was kind of surprised to see that you know they got. Push back to number ten. I, mean, I wonder. I mean, maybe that loss to Purdue really stings them that bad. And then the next week, you know, Purdue comes out and loses to Michigan State. So clearly, it was just you know a bad loss for Ohio State. They shouldn't have let that many points. Well, it's one of those things where you want to gradually give them you know a higher and higher ranking. They're going to play Nebraska and then they play Michigan State. I think both of those wins will help them jump up on you know maybe a spot or two. Michigan State maybe holding a little bit more weight. Um, you know, just seeing as the fact that. Ohio State did lose to Purdue and Michigan State beat Purdue, so you know maybe that will hold a little bit more leverage and a little bit more weight. You know their game against Michigan State on the road in East Lansing, yeah. But it's going to come down to that game against Michigan. I mean that that is going to be when push comes to shove. Okay, granted, not... granted, well, well, granted, LSU. Let's say let's say LSU falls out, Michigan moves up to four after LSU loses to Alabama. I mean, will. you're yeah, you're, you're, State, you're looking at a number 4 ranked Michigan team against what will end up probably being at that point you know, a, a 7 or 8 ranked Ohio State team in sure. that last game of the regular season and that's what it's going to come down to. Winner of that one is going to it's just basically going to be for flip flopping. You know, I'm not going I'm not going to even I'm not going to toss be. it out cuz you know, you're talking about Clemson's played nobody and neither has Notre Dame. I'm going to tell you right now, my one pick this week for an upset and that is going to I think it's going to shock everybody or could actually happen. I think Northwestern could beat Notre Dame this weekend. 
They're a team that showed yeah. they were vulnerable against Pittsburgh yeah, Notre Dame's, and I mean, lost. Notre Dame hasn't played anybody since Michigan in week one that really is good. I mean, Stanford was an absolute nobody that was ranked way too high. Virginia Tech probably should never be ranked any season. They just are somehow. It's Notre Dame hasn't played anybody that's good enough yet, and I want to see something. It's, it's hard to say because they don't really play anybody to end the year, but Northwestern is clearly the best team that they're going to play probably to end their season. So they, let's they, see what they do against them, you know them, what? They're on a four-game winning streak. They beat Michigan State, who was ranked number 20 at the time. They beat Wisconsin. Northwestern is no joke. I'll give a shout-out. I mean, they, they beat Wisconsin, <laughs> who was ranked number 20 at the time as well, though. So they, you know, you beat two ranked teams already. Yeah, okay, you lost to Duke, and you lost to Akron, and you lost to Michigan. But that Michigan game was close as well, and you beat Purdue to start the season. There's definitely something there with this team. They keep it close. They have a good offense. Yeah, it's a possibility, man. You it's, know, it's definitely it, something that can happen. Will it? Will it probably at home, happen well, at, at home too? I yeah. mean, it's it's all very it's set up to be that game where they end up losing. Now, here's the other thing, and the other thing we talked about: Ohio State and Michigan just being the two teams at the end of the year. Michigan's got to get bad Penn State this weekend still, who is a team that's hungry and wants to get a win. They they're not buying this revenge tour crap. They've been saying stuff all week, talking. About, they've actually been talking some smack. So I think they're gonna be ready to play against Michigan. I don't. I think that Michigan will get the win this weekend, but it very well could go to Penn State. In Ohio State, so let's play Michigan State. What is D'Antonio like doing anything more than anything else when they have a season that doesn't really matter? Winning a game that, you know, screws up something for somebody else. So I could easily see, you know, Michigan State pulling off the win against Ohio State. So there's still a lot to be played out. I mean, you still have to, these teams still have to win games. And I can almost promise you, Evan, right now, one of these teams in the top six is going to lose that isn't supposed to lose. It happens every year. It happens year. every year. It's it's just by percentages, everything else, nothing's going to go perfect. It's college football. That's what's beautiful about it. But it'll be fun with the way to watch. It's set up. Yeah, with, fun. with the way it's set up and what we see, um, you know, I think, I think, I think right now, Michigan, out of all the teams that are not in the playoff, is definitely set up the best to be in the playoff based off who they're playing to end the season. I mean, it's all yeah. in front of them. Everybody said it all week. It's clearly still in front of them to make it. It's gonna get there. And you know what? I would like more than anything else. I think it would be awesome as if somehow Michigan and Notre Dame met up in that playoff. It'd be great. But you know, and and I would think Golden Tate, you know, coming from Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd be pulling for it too. I think he wants to see that matchup again, but obviously would be watching that matchup from a different location. Yeah, nowadays, huh? Yeah, we're talking about Golden Tate uh, getting traded away this week for a third round pick, um, and I think that I think that some people I were, love it. I I mean, yeah, and I I think some people don't understand like the actual you know logistics they part of it, it and yeah. everything else. And, and I mean, okay, it's hard. It's hard when you're a fan and you love somebody and you like watching like. When J.D. Martinez got traded away from the Tigers a few years ago, that was hard for me to watch just because, you know, I like J.D. Martinez a lot, which we'll talk about more later. But it's the same kind of thing with this. Golden Tate, if you're a Lions fan, a lot of people liked him, liked his swagger, like what he brought to the table that he didn't take crap for people. Yeah, he had his attitude problems in time and stuff like that when they weren't playing their best football. But overall, you know, he was a good guy. And when he got traded away, it wasn't like it was with Seattle. You know, he... He like said on Twitter, like, thank you guys for supporting my family, my my program that I run, everything else. He was good with it. Um, and Golden Tate was a guy that the Lions are probably going to let walk at the end of the season. We're going to get nothing for. Now, the one thing I always say in these kind of trades is that if they could have got a better offer than a third-round pick or there was you know any more time to possibly look for it, then they probably should have done that. But I think this is probably the best decision they could have got, and that's why they took it. A third-round pick's better than getting absolutely nothing for this guy. You can get a lot for and, a third-round pick, man. No, exactly. And I mean, the Lions right now, they're, they're not a very good team. You know, they're at the bottom of their division, everything else. It, it kind of made all sense to get rid of somebody to think about your future and hope that you can get better in that way. Now, I, this, this is the other part of this conversation that I wanted to have, you know, not with just Golden Tate getting traded. I, mean, we, I think we both think it was the right move, right? I mean, to get rid of the guy. He's going to walk anyway. Yeah, exactly. So you made the right move. 
Does this mean the Lions are giving up in 2018? No. no. Does this mean that they're done? Because, I mean, technically no. this is a selling move. You sold. You got rid of somebody that I think you know, it's was different. on your team. I think it's different. You're not selling the team. I mean, you, you did not, not the see. the whole team, yes. <laughs> but, no, but, I mean, you look at in sports, when a team is selling, they normally give up multiple te- multiple pieces. This is just a smart move in, in general. I mean, why let the guy walk for what he's giving you? Three touchdowns this year, only 44 receptions. Like, yeah, I get it. That leads your team. But nonetheless, you have Kenny Galladay. You have, you know, Marvin Jones. You have Theo Riddick out of the backfield. There are guys that can play. Yeah, they still, I, I just, they still have the, enough. I, yeah, they have and weapons. Mar- Marvin Jones had the minor, you know, the minor contract extension for two more years. So it's 2020 now. So they clearly think he's the other guy. Like, they want him instead. They believe he, I think it means that. Kenny Galladay is their That's guy, the, that guy, is guy. Their actual like, their guy, main guy. That is Kenny yeah. Galladay is their like who they believe in. They think that he's going to be that good, and you know it's it is kind of a small sample size. I mean, they're putting a lot in their their bucket, but really, was it worth keeping Golden Tate and not seeing what the potential this guy could be? Receivers no. come and go in the NFL. Golden Tate was a good one. Don't get me wrong, but he's nowhere near the top twenty. He's not. He wasn't a one of the best receivers in the league kind of guy. He was shifty, and he can definitely be an effective player for your team as the Lions sell for years, but. At the end of the day, Dude, Kenny Galladay has shown honest, that he man. has the size and the skill to play. I think you got to run with it and see what happens. Marvin Jones, your guy, has been proven. So, seven games, three touchdowns. I just don't think it's that much of a loss. No, yeah, I know. I mean, you lose a target, and you that that means that. And they, and they did say I saw in some reports that they didn't actually talk to Matt Stafford about um, the deal before it happened, which is I think a little weird because you know that's that's your quarterback like. He's throwing to these guys. Those are his targets. You know, I, he, here's obviously the, Stafford's well, here's in it with this organization. So Yeah, and here's the thing, too, is, you know, Guy's been the leading receiver of you know anybody on the Lions in just two games this season. Other times, it's been Galladay, Jones, you know, Galladay again, Roberts, and then Jones again. Like, they have guys that can catch the ball, and, yeah, I know you lose a key piece, and that makes it a little bit easier on opposing defenses to game plan because you don't, there's an extra guy you don't have to worry about. But you see it time and again in sports. Guys emerge, guys step up, random guys show up that you don't expect, and they they're hot for a while. I mean, look look at Adam Thielen from from Minnesota. I mean, the way that he was able to get hot and and do it do what he's doing now. Guys step up, they show up, and yeah, they play. Seriously. And I think that losing a guy like you know, Golden Tate doesn't doesn't really hurt him because it means next man up. That just means Galladay's going to get that many more pass, you know, passes thrown to him. That means the same thing for Marvin. Yeah, you Jones. still have two good receivers. I mean, and like you have, that. And you have a great guy out of the backfield that can do damage and theoretic. Oh, yeah, for, I mean, there's options. There's well, I, so I think many. that they're going to move theoretic over to a slot position only almost like with the way that this is going, yeah. because I mean, obviously with Kerryon Johnson, the Lions are pretty dead set on who their running back is. So the rest of the year, that guy is phenomenal. I mean, he has been what we've wa- what we've talked about since you and me have started doing this podcast. He's a running back. I mean, he is what, you know, when they went out and got him out of the SEC, big guy at Auburn that played against those defenses all the time, I say, you know what, that's actually committing and getting somebody. And he's turned out for him. And, I mean, as long as he doesn't have an injury, Kyrian Johnson was probably the best draft pick I think the Lions have had in a very long time. You know, besides, honestly, maybe since Kelvin Johnson, I'm willing to say that. Because, seriously, this guy has been phenomenal for them. And the Lions still don't have the best line, in my opinion, um, up there blocking. So, Really, to be able to come in and get a guy like that, it's a rookie, and he's already playing this well for their team, could only only speak volumes. So I think that a guy like Theo Riddick almost kind of get, gets moved over to the slot um, because, or I think it would be the smart move um, because he's a guy that's shifty and he's clearly a pass catching back anyway. You can do so much with him, bringing him through the backfield, bringing him back oh, to yeah. be by Stafford. Like, 
that's just what I think. I think that's probably going through their head. Like, you know what? Golden Tate was obviously probably the best in the league at being shifty and getting away from guys and avoiding tag. Honestly, he probably was. That's what makes him like so good. But when you look at Theoretic, he can do the same kind of thing. Maybe not as effective a level, but he's he's shown that he can do it. I think overall making this move and relying a lot on Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones being your other guy. It's fine. It, it saves them cap space to be able to make more moves in the future for the positions. I mean, they, they went out and, and got the, the new defensive lineman that they did. So I don't think that they're clearly, you know, done. You know, I don't think that they're just like quitting or anything like that. Um, but it was it definitely, I think, it was probably hard for them to make that move. I don't I don't think it was easy to get rid of Golden Tate. Who leads the Lions in rushing touchdowns? Look, Eric Blunt. Look at you went out and you got him. I mean, yeah, he's the, he's their bulldozer by the goal line. That's I mean, what I'm saying, just, though. Yeah. You have the money to do that now. You know, when time when time comes, you'll have money to the Lions have somebody a, else too. They have I a mean, backfield. They they can run the ball. I mean, it's it's different. It's a lot different than it's been. Now, I mean, it's still not really resulting in the results you want to see. I mean, they're still a team with a, a losing record, and it's a process. Trying. I think when your backs are that bad for that long, it just takes time for everything to gel. I mean, Stafford doesn't have to be the the guy all the time. You have a running back that you can lean on, and that's that's new. Well, we're still trying to make sense of this team. I mean, they get blown out by the Jets in Week One, then they get you know beat by the the Forty ers then they beat the Patriots, lose to the Cowboys by two, but then beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They should have beat the Dolphins, and they did, but then they lost last week to Seattle, who's a team that a lot of people actually picked the Lions to win that game over Seattle, and they lost by fourteen at home. So it's like, really, what do you make of this team? I don't. I don't know if this really brings any more life into them or what, but they got to figure it out, and they got to figure it out quick because they're playing the Vikings, who are no joke, um, at Minnesota, and then they got the Bears, who are they're still in the NFC North, so don't count the Chicago Bears out for anything. The Chicago one, Bears are number right one there. right yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. They're right there. So I mean, and the and the Panthers coming up, the Rams. That's going to be a loss. I mean, that's guaranteed almost. So when you look at it, they still have a really tough schedule coming up here in the next four games. I think the I think these next. Well, five games, I should say. They have two against the Bears, the Panthers, Vikings, and Rams. Good luck. You're going to know where your season's at for that, whether you gave it Good. away or not. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see. But our, our last topic here in the podcast is talking about <laughs> some people who had relations to Detroit, but they're not there anymore. Um, I, I thought it'd be kind of interesting um, to talk about, and if people want to give us feedback or whatever, feel free to do so. Just to, you know, tweet, it, tweet our podcast when we tweet it out. But um, the topic is that, Ian Kinsler, J.D. Martinez, Rick Porcello, and David Price all played for the Boston Red Sox and the team that just won the World Series. And they were all a pretty big part of it. I mean, Ian Kinsler was the guy that filled in for Dustin Pedroida, who was hurt um, early in the season, kind of came in and took over his role. But David Price, clearly the best postseason the guy's ever had. What is the one critique always been of David Price? Can never pitch in big games in the playoffs. Was phenomenal. Had an ERA around, around the 130 mark, you know, three wins, Phenomenal! Every game that he went out there and pitched, he pitched with a different, a different energy. I mean, watching him pitch in that last game, he you could just just see he was in control, and he knew that he was. He like he had got he had a guy in third early in the game for LA was able to hold him, so he played well. JD Martinez did what JD Martinez do: hit the ball out of the park, hit made big plays for him. Rick Porcello, pretty consistent in all the times he, chances he got to pitch in the playoffs. You know, it does it bug you as a Tigers fan that they were able to? I mean. Clearly, this team had a lot more talent than just those guys. I mean, they this is the most talented team in baseball. It's not like the, the Tigers players were the only reason they won it. But does it irk you a little bit, or does it make you happy that they're on this team getting a ring, though? Don't forget Dave Dombrowski, either. Well, yeah, that, too. Yes, I mean, he was the one. I mean, I think that, I think it's just personally the Tigers' fault and that to get rid of Dave Dombrowski, but it, that's it's a It's frustrating, story. but, I mean, let's go back to that, you know, that, that, 24, that 2014 year where 
you know, they failed to win just a single playoff, playoff game. game. Yeah. Okay. They had they had Martinez, Price, Kinsler, Parcello. Obviously, Dombrowski was was leading it at the time and was was leading that charge. But they also had Miguel Cabrera, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Victor Martinez, Eugenio Suarez, uh, Torrey Hunter, Anibal Sanchez, <laughs> and they couldn't win one freaking playoff game. No, not one. So yeah, I mean, it, it kind of which does, I think it, a lot it does, to do with their management. It does irk you a little bit. It it, it does kind of piss me off, to be honest. You had all that and you couldn't do it. What the hell? To me, it varies. Um, I look at it's I look just at, crappy for the city of Detroit. Well, it does suck. And if you're a Tigers fan, you look at it, you're just kind of like, man, this hurts. Like you kind of cry up a little bit. But okay, David Price, I think is the one guy that if you were to look at it, you could say like, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of peeved at you because you sucked when you came to us and you were supposed to help us get a, a World Series. You didn't get any wins for us in the playoffs. You pitched like shit the next season. But he sucked everywhere in the postseason. He did. He did. And well, until I mean, he came in, to- in Tampa, he never got as many chances. And then he came to Detroit and he was better. But it he you know he never showed up. I mean he's never had those games. And then he does it for Boston this year. Now maybe that's maturity. Maybe it's because he's older now. But Rick Porcello, that's a guy that the he Tigers. He was at his peak when he left the Tigers. He was at his. I mean he he was pitching Rick Porcello good. really wasn't that good of a pitcher when he was younger. Mm-mm, he struggled no, he, a lot. He, he was that back end of the Tigers rotation at the time. Yeah, and he struggled. I mean he yeah. he he wasn't really that good. And he really started to build himself up. And he got to the point where. He was starting to become automatic. I mean, you look at his last year in Detroit, and people were talking about, you know, Rick Porcello All Star Game. Like that was the thought, like that he might make the All Star Game. And that's my point, though. You know, he he leaves when he's at his best. Ian Kinsler comes to Detroit, and you know, yeah, he was really really good before with Texas Rangers, and that was just another you know stepping stone for him. But, but J D Martinez, he came to Detroit as a nobody, and guess what he did? But he turned out to look be really him. good. But he, here's my thing on Ian Kinsler and J D Martinez. They both were good in Detroit. They were good players. They were good for the. They were good for the city. Yeah, they my, were great. My, my point is, my point is though, like Ken, Kinsler was good before. He All was. these guys, I feel like they left Detroit at their peak. I, Besides Kinsler, maybe a little bit older, and JD, yeah. and JD Martinez did too. But that wasn't their choice. They got sold. Yeah, I, I mean, know. They, they got they you got have, ran out of town to. because they had to leave and they had to go find another opportunity to get wins. It's just like Justin Verlander last yeah. year when you know you had to So I think when you look at it, you look at guys like David Price and Rick Porcello and you're like, "Why couldn't you do that for me in your prime when now you're over here and you're pitching for Boston at your older age and you're still finding a way to win a World Series?" It's almost frustrating. Now, I mean like I said, they had a lot of talent on this team, clearly. But Ian Kinsler and JD Martinez, I couldn't be more happy for the two to be completely honest with you because Especially J.D. Martinez. That guy did everything he could to even just bring the playoffs to Detroit. I mean, he was the only guy that didn't get injured, didn't have a little minor injury that kept him out of the lineup or whatever it might have been. He was the guy that just produced, produced, did his best, and he got sold for a reason because he was playing on a team where he was going to go nowhere and he had to go somewhere else. Still don't think the Tigers got back enough for the guy because he's clearly proved he's the best power hitter in baseball, damn near close to it with consistency and you know playing that long. He's one of the best at doing it, and the Tigers never were able to get him to where he would need to be because they never actually built a team with him on it that was that good yet. I think it's just the mentality of the organization, in my opinion. I mean, going and getting Brad Osmus and keeping him for so long. Next year is going to mark Jeez. 35 years since you know the Tigers' yeah. last World Series title. It's the mentality of, you know, and we, we saw it even before that 2014 season. I mean, you know, Back to 2012, got swept in the World Series. That's it's just the mentality. It's, yeah, I mean, both you, times you they a, made it, a, they didn't have a lot of success in 06 You and have 12. a good team, really all throughout all throughout that time, but you just can't do anything. It kind of just becomes a habit, a mentality. Oh, I mean, I, I don't take by my memories. I mean, don't get me wrong, that was one of my favorite teams ever to watch. Any of those teams, 06, the 2012, basically the years from 
2010 to 2013, I will never, I mean, that was seriously hands down some of the best baseball memories I have, but to never see him win at all and to see a couple of them go win it and other teams when they were picked up by Detroit to win it. Yeah. I mean, it, it does hurt a little bit. It hurts a little bit when you look at that as a Tigers fan, it has to, but for a guy like JD Martinez, I'm just happy for him. I'm glad he finally got it. I mean, he deserved it. He deserved it when he was in Detroit. He didn't do anything to not earn it in Detroit. He played his best baseball. So I look at it as that. Um, I, I and I understand why because you, you look at social media right now, you see a lot of fans are they're pretty peeved about it. I mean, they 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 say it hurts or it's really sad or whatever it might be. You know, some guys can only control so much. And I think that Ian Kinsler tried the best to be a leader that he could in Detroit. I mean, he was looked at as one. The way he played the fire and you know he hit that one season. You know, I, I forget if it was sixteen or I think it was two thousand sixteen. He hit, you know, like 30 home runs, which is nowhere near where he's been the rest of his career. I mean, he played his best second base. He won a gold glove, that kind of stuff. I mean, they're doing what they can to win. And if their coach can't put him in a position to do it, or Miguel Cabrera's got a little calf injury that he's dealing with every single season or whatever it is, those guys can't do anything about that. So I, I look at it as good for them. It you is know, what good. it is, man. Exactly. It so it, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, kind of rip on them. But nevertheless, Boston wins the World Series. I mean... Did we really expect anything else? I mean, this team is just dominant, man. From- well, that's, well, jumping immediately into studs and duds, I guess. Sure. You kind of segued right there for me. I mean, yeah, my stud you know, for the week is, is Boston, and really you could put that into the whole season or the whole postseason, however you want to you wanna phrase it, word it. But, I mean, the way that they just took down the Dodgers was, I mean, it was like cake, man. Yeah. It was easy. I mean, they say easy as pie. It literally looked like they were sitting back eating pie and just <laughs> – Hitting a couple baseballs out and throwing some good pitches, and that was basically it. I mean, they they handled it. They handled the whole whole playoffs with success. I mean, whether it's the Astros series or or against the Yankees, whatever it might be, they they just took care of business straight up. And I think that was one of the coolest things is there was never a moment where you really doubted Boston. Obviously, there were teams that teams could have obviously beaten them, but you never yeah. really doubted them. You know, when things came up, there was never a situation where I know at least for me, I said, yeah, you know, I, I think. Los Angeles is going to win this series. I think Houston. I, I every time I said, you know, I want to see team, you know, team A win, but Boston, they're they're going to give you a run for your money, and and that was blatantly obvious. And got to give them all the respect in the world for that and the way they were able to come out and play and and secure it like it was nothing. No doubt. And I guess since we're already into it, I'll give you guys my stud as well. If anybody paid attention to anything in the NBA news last night, you definitely saw it. Um, the Timberwolves were down a couple starters, and Derrick Rose was pretty much asked to step up, start whatever, and play. And he goes out there and drops a career-high 50 points. I mean, seriously, it was unbelievable just to see, like, I mean, if you know anything about this guy, you know that he's just been through it with, you know, back in 2009, he was, you know, one of the one of the better players in the league. You know, 2010, he, he was right up there, MVP season. And then he just gets all these injuries and keeps getting hurt, and then he drops 50 last night. I mean, how many years later, after all these ACL and MCL and different surgeries he had to have, he finds a way and comes out and gets 50 points in this game, and his players clearly knew it. I mean, they were seriously, like, hugging him and everything right after the game. He was crying in his interview. <laughs> I, I love, I just simply love the interview because, you know, some people might have looked at his conceited, but he just says, I worked my ass off, man. He did, and like, and he, true. He did. I mean, seriously, like, you know, everyone wants to give all the guy the crap for saying, oh, you know, oh, Derrick Rose just hurt another year. Like, that, you know, this is still a person. That we're talking about. And I think that's what some people realize in sports. Like, he can't do anything about that. Like, he wants to play. I mean, the guy wants to play basketball. And he drops 50 points in this game. And, I mean, I, it just speaks volumes to his character and, like, 
what he was able to do to step up when his team needed him most. I mean, you love to write, don't you? Yeah. You know, you, you fall and break your fingers. You can't write. Yeah, right. Like, exactly. I mean, there, yeah. there's only so much a human being can do in situations like that. I mean, ACL and MCL, those aren't those aren't like, oh, you know, my my calf hurt, so I, I set out 20 games. Like that's not what it is, man. These are season-ending oh, injuries. I have a headache. I can't play. No, Ex- it's yeah, not th- like that. These are season-ending. You can't do anything yeah. about. It. I mean, what do you do about it? So uh, you know, I nevertheless dropping 50 points. So happy to see that. Great to see and good good for M- the NBA, really. Yeah, Evan, you're done. Yeah, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> <laughs> The Pistons. On Halloween, you know, I guess he went down to Little Caesars Arena and, you know, got there a little bit early and built himself, a, built himself a house in there, and I guess it's where he lives now. I mean, he owns he owns LCA, and he owns the Detroit Pistons. Pistons, you know, let him go. He was drafted in 2014, second round, 38th pick. Coming out of Colorado, Four years of experience, Pistons let him go, and man, oh man, has this guy been lighting it up. He lit the Pistons up last night for 25 points and four assists, and you got to, if you really were able to watch the game, he made the big shot in overtime to win it, and he also made the shot to send it to overtime to tie the game, you know, in, in just the final seconds, officially, you know, owns the Pistons. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely like unbelievable and, and super cool to watch. Last year he averaged 12 a game and that was really his first, you know, full season with Brooklyn, averaging 14.9 points per game right now through 8 games, zero starts, but guess what? His time is coming so soon. He's coming alive and and he's really showing up and and shocking people, especially the city of Detroit. For sure it was uh definitely embarrassing we talked about last week how we thought, you know, it might be a little too early to say the Pistons were going to be this good. It is too early. It's definitely too early. <laughs> so we'll see where they keep going. But my dart for the week is something I actually just saw today before I came in here. You know, I, I like James Franklin. I really do. I, I think he's a I think he's a good coach. I respect him for going to Penn State and resurrecting a program that really had no business being rec- resurrected as soon as it has, you know, with everything that went down and all the all the scrutiny they had to take, you know, I mean, to be able to get players still in there and be competitive every season, I think says a lot about him as a coach and what he was able to do there. But Today, he makes a comment and says, you know, he's playing against Michigan this week that their defensive backs hold every single time that they go. Okay, have you ever watched a football game? I'm I'm pretty sure every single time in football, almost, there's there's contact when a defensive back and a wide receiver meet. I to say that to say that Michigan's corners hold consistently is probably the stupidest thing I've I've ever heard. You saw like, Michigan State from did a against, respected person. That's you, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You saw Michigan State did against Michigan, right? The the bad blood, the fire, the yeah, yeah, yeah. hatred, whatever it might have been before the game. I mean, James Franklin, if you want to, are you just asking? Are you? I mean, are you asking about for Tom Michigan? Brown's defense here? Well, I mean, you talk about Jim Harbaugh, you talk <laughs> about Devin Bush, you talk about anybody on that team, Chase Winovich. You talk, you talk crap. They're going to bite back harder, and I that's mean, just the truth. You saw it with Michigan State. Jim Harbaugh calling it BS, saying you know this and that about the situation that happened. He wasn't happy, and he let everybody know about it. He was not being friendly. So you want to throw shots, guess what? It's going to come back, and it's going to come back that much harder because the University of Michigan is Jim Harbaugh. It's Don Brown. It's it's the GOATs, all yeah, right? It's the GOATs. <laughs> this year they've been that way, and they've been at the top of the game, and if you want to throw stuff at them, it's probably not going to help your cause. And I mean, okay, sure. If you can come out and you can beat Michigan and and you know prove it wrong, whatever. But why are you trying to light a fire to a team that's probably gonna probably gonna beat you on Saturday? I mean, I, I don't understand. Home. I mean, they're going on the road and they're Michigan speaks their actions and they've clearly shown that this year. Yeah, they had a little bit of the tiff before the game. Michigan State. But that's Michigan State. 
they are clearly saying in the locker room that this team, when they get done with games, they win. It's just we did our business. We're Michigan. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what they're about this year. And when you start saying stuff to them before games, that's exactly what they're probably going to go out there and do Saturday. So I think it was extra fuel to the tank that Michigan didn't need, and it was just a really dumb and disrespectful statement from a a coach that's at, you know in a in a respectful position. So I, I didn't I didn't think that was right. But James Franklin, you're my dad this week. But nevertheless, that's the end of our podcast. Uh, Evan, were you going to say something? Nah, you're, man. You're, you're looking at me over there like you wanted to say something, but I mean, pretty disrespectful. Yeah, it's just stupidity. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. We'll but see how that plays out on our next podcast. Right? We'll, we'll, we'll bring we will. it up. We'll definitely talk about it. So make sure you guys uh, listen. It'll be on CM Life's Twitter this week and also on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you guys for listening this week. We'll talk at you next time. I was just so far from here Focused on my own way With never looking back 